What's up, guys? Welcome to the podcast. Today, we're going to talk about the current health news, which starts with the sperm count, guys. So a Swiss study did a um, study on 2,500 men, and it concluded that 17% of these young men were not sufficient in their like um, sperm count, their like pH, all these factors that the World Health Organization takes into consideration. So it makes it harder like, for getting pregnant? Long story short, yeah, we might not be the, we might be the culprit of the infertility in women instead of women being infertile to men for like the longest, which we've been thinking. So getting back on the study, 25% of men didn't reach the threshold of their motility guys. So that guy wasn't swimming well. 25% of them, man, that's one in four. So these guys are not doing well including, let's go down the aisle here, 20, 43% of those men in that 2,500 sample had abnormal sperm. What does that entail, abnormal sperm? Those, the five analysis that the World Health Organization does, which is motility, mm -hmm. morphology, the volume, the level, the pH. So they look different, they swam different, different consistency. That's a lot of abnormalities, dude. Yeah, so the, Infertility, or the, what is it called? The artificial insemination uh, market is rising. I think in 20, by 2025, it's projected to be 2.63 million. So that's, it's growing. And what is the reason? We have to ask that question. It might be men. How do you feel about that? Um, I mean, that would suck. I mean, just imagine. So I think the average for making a baby, I think it's six months to a year of, of trying. That's a pretty long time, you know? So if you plan on having a kid, if you want to have a kid soon, and it's going to take you about six to one year to make a kid, you know? You got to plan ahead, guys. Like the baby ahead. making has to start a year in advance. Yeah, so that's, that's a lot of work. I mean, a lot of work to make the baby, a lot of work to raise the baby. But now with the sperm count, it could be even longer. You know, if you said, what, 45% of men suffer from this, from this issue of lack of motility or the pH is off balance, it just makes it gonna, getting pregnant a lot harder. Yeah, and they, they think the factors that are um, creating this issue is things like physical activity, exercise, the food that we take in, which we kind of preach a lot about, so. Is it the lack of physical exercise or due to physical exercise? The study didn't um, run those tests on those Swishmen to understand that, but they're, they're linking it towards being like insanitary lifestyle, basically. The choices you are making is not only affecting like your you know, digestive system, is affecting your reproductive system to the point where they're you know analyzing these sperm cells and the issue is men. Yeah, but that's bad. If you eat bad, you stack a lifestyle, you're really stressed, that's gonna go all the way down to your balls, you know? You know your heart's gonna be unhealthy, your <laughs> liver's gonna be poor, and uh, you can't make any kids, man. I know, That'd wouldn't that burn you out? That would suck, man. Speaking of burnout, we're supposed to talk about nursing burnout. That's a pretty well-known topic. I feel like we talk about being stressed out at work, but are we realizing that that stress might be burnout? That's very true. Like we we talk about nursing burnout as like, yeah, I think she's burned out, but just imagine, do you, th do you think you are burned out as a nurse? I felt a little bit at one point. Like it's easy to point it out, be like, yeah, man, she's tired, she's been, she's been slacking, or like she's kind of been been off the ball, and you attribute to nursing burnout, but you, might, you yourself might be off the ball. 
Or you might be pushing away from nursing burnout saying, well, I had a rough day at work. I had a rough day at home. I didn't get enough sleep. And they're pushing these other things and never looking at the picture of, hey, your, your lack of sleep might be burnout. It probably isn't you sleeping or you're not getting enough sleep. So you have to start connecting the dots. And let's, let's categorize what burnout exactly means. So the exact definition of it is being stressed out physically, mentally, and emotionally exhausted. So stress is defined as being over-engaged at work, which is causing stress, and burnout is identified as disengagement. So think about burnout as you are so stressed out, your nervous system is so overstimulated that you literally become dull and like get fatigued. It's like getting, it's like getting um, overstimulated to caffeine where it doesn't affect you as much. And burnout is causing dull emotion in people and like a sense of detachment. So if you're, go ahead. That's really true. Like you see a lot of times people they get detached from work where they you know start to show up late. Um, they just try to, they start to have like a, like almost a plain flat affect. Like you could sense that they dread coming to work and they don't want to be there and they don't want to talk to the patient. They don't want to be in the rooms. Do you think you've seen those nurses before? Oh yeah, definitely. You know, you'll probably see it more often than you, than you think. And then when you really think about it and observe it, and you look at their trend on how they've been like performing or how they've been acting um, or socializing, and that's on a decrease, they're definitely either burnt out or stressed over something. And they come to work and they bring that with them. They leave to work and they take work to their house, you know? Yeah. So maybe they be they might be fighting more with um, their significant other or they have like a sense of hope where they don't want to do anything throughout the day. They skip the gym and it's just like this cascade of events that start leading to the question of are you burnt out do you need to switch your job and it's kind of interesting because or you can switch the shift you know switch the shift take a pto day take a pto day there's like this nurse that i see on instagram and her like little initial thing was like um x x nurse now burnt out and like pursuing something else so she herself realized that she's burnt out and she's doing something about it, which is awesome. Yeah, I mean, the first step to not being burnt out and probably being more happy with your job is realizing that you do feel like crap. And you probably need to take a few days off, just recalibrate, stay home, just, just think, meditate, just do something to relax, do something for yourself. Take a little staycation or, or like a vacation, you know, it doesn't have to be far. Have it be like, you know, an hour away or two hours away, do something nice for yourself. Yeah. Um, one study that we found in 2014 at the University of um, Akron. So basically it studied, studied nursing in the field and said um, one of the biggest factors that might be leading to burnout is when you take your job too serious. So if you graduated nursing school and your goal was to help others and you went to school wanting to help others and you got a job because you want to help others, you're more susceptible to burnout because you take your job so seriously as success or failure. Yeah, unfortunately, over-compassion and putting too much emotion into this job is gonna make you suffer in the long run. You but, can't be bringing stuff home. But that's like saying the exact opposite of what, exact opposite of what we went to school for because yeah, they tell you to, compassion is number one. But what if that compassion might be causing you to have burnout? Isn't that crazy? Like they drill that into your head, compassion, compassion, compassion. Think about the patient. You know, imagine if you were in their shoes. Yeah, but like you gotta be in their shoes and then once you're in, your shift ends, you gotta be in your own shoes. It's like America, where every single day we said the Pledge of Allegiance to, you know, the flag in school and we had this sense of loving America in a way, right? And hopefully that was their intention. 
here this compassion is like this double-edged sword yeah. where well, you're not saying it. don't have compassion and you know don't care about your patients but you're not going to be able to save everybody and if you view your success as saving someone's life all the time you're definitely not thinking about it in the right in like the right way you got to think about it as in you do your best no matter what and if this patient happens to die it just happens I it's think not based in, on performance yeah, I think in the ICU it's important more than ever like in the high acuity because we see it so many times where patients are always dying going hospice like they're just not making it I feel like in the, I did a med search for a little bit and med search is more of this environment of happiness not happiness I mean it's a job right but the patients are more grateful they tell you thank you sometimes you know I did a hip and ortho unit so the population was a little bit younger and coming into the ICU, like, it's a lot more suffering and grief, and you basically have to clock out and live your life knowing you've seen all this stuff, and how do you cope with it? Yeah, it's crazy. You're basically, so in the ICU, um, you, it's hard, it's kind of hard to get compassion back from patients and understanding because they emotionally and socially cannot tell you that they're feeling good or they're getting better. Your view of them getting better or them doing good is on their physical symptoms. Yeah, you know, other vital signs are stable and they're doing good. You know, you don't get to you don't don't know if they're actually doing good. You just based on physical symptoms. And like med surge or or tele or those units where you can spend more time with patients, it's a lot easier to feel good because you get that social interaction. I think that's they what's could, missing. They could tell you about uh, about their day. You could tell you about about your day. And but in ICU, you can't have you don't have that. So yeah, as you, much because yeah. these people aren't talking sometimes. Yeah, I feel like ICU is more based on like stats. You know, you feel like it's just a number, game of numbers. It is a numbers game. And you're almost obsessed with these numbers where you have to find out your patient's blood pressure. Sometimes you're doing something you're like, oh, I got to check up on the numbers. So it's, it's like a number game. It's like the addiction when people get when they count their macros and they have to be, they have to eat like, you know, consistently these numbers. It's like you're taking it in like that. Yeah. Yeah. A good day and a happy patient is a patient that's within their um, vital sign limits, you know, and yeah. compared to tele and like oncology and those units where patients doing good by them telling you they're doing good yeah. so let's talk about the warning signs the signs and symptoms of a nursing burnout so the five would be irritability frequent call-ins change of environment exhaustion and just being checked out mentality uh, the checked out mentality i feel like irritability is really easier to tell if you know you're having a good day everyone's having a good day and the same nurse comes back the following night or following morning and you ask my question and they snap for no reason like it's like like what happened? Like you were fine like yesterday. Now you're like you know you're like you're snapping for no reason or complaining that they got to go back in a patient's room yeah. and complain that they have an annoying patient consistently. And it's like I think you could see it in the older nurses. Sorry, I think you could see it in older nurses because you know how like they come and they have like this mood. We call this a mood, and they're irritated. And eventually, this mood carries on because they you know work three days a week, and this mood becomes a personality. Yeah. And we say. Oh, that's just, you know, that's Susie. Susie's that way, you know, she's always been like that. Maybe she's just been burnt out for a long time and her mood became her personality because that's how the neurons are firing and creating, you know. If she's been like that, that sucks. Right, and mood be becomes eventually like a personality trait. Like, that's crazy. Like, it's just like anger could be a one-time thing and then the mood continues. You don't know how to cope with anger and it becomes... And anger, you have anger, you have temper issues, right. and that becomes your personality. That's crazy. Yeah. So they go into that state of mind continuously every day, day in, day out, that that becomes their new new normal. 
So they think that's how we're supposed to be. They think that's how their life's supposed to go, but it's really not how it is. They're just burnt out and miserable. And you should ask a nurse if you see that within them, ask them, help them adjust their perspective to maybe they're overstressed how they have to change their environment. Yeah, yeah. The second one's uh, frequently frequently calling off. Um, I haven't really seen that too often. There's some nurses that like call off once in a while, but just to call off. But I've never seen anybody frequently call off like week in week out. I think maybe it's more like you're using up your PDO because you need to you need to be away from work instead of taking your PDO days and doing some self care for yourself. So maybe their freaking calls is like, oh my god, I need some PDO. I need a day off. Like. They're just, they're looking forward to their PDO. That's what they're doing. Oh, true. Yeah, it's like, and that's not calling off, but they're just using a PDO right away just because yeah. they dread coming into work and they'll take every day off that they can. And the next one would be um, intolerance to change. So basically for dealing with difficult um, situations with like professional etiquette and let's just say you don't like the way a doctor does one thing and he continues to do it this way, you're taking care of his patients, but you still know it's like, a bad way to do things, eventually that can mess with you emotionally and it could lead to burnout because you're constantly stressed out by like the way things are happening. Yeah, so with the whole change thing, I think um, another sign um, of burnout would be with the related to the intolerance of change. I think if a nurse likes getting the same patients back over and over and over again, because that's what they just want to do and just get over with compared to taking like, like different patients, different variations. Because um, they just want to go in, they do the same thing that they do every day, the same way because they get the same type of patient back. Always cardiac patients, always you know people with, with AKI, you know, and she's just going through emotions. And I think that's that's burnout too because you don't want to do anything different. So you think consistently in the work environment as nurses could lead to burnout? Yeah, oh well, definitely. So they're almost they're almost doing this job because it becomes more autonomous for them. Exactly. So they don't have to they don't have to think as much and it's almost like driving a car. And yeah. sometimes you drive a car and you blank out. And the reason why you're blanking out is because you do it so often. So you think those nurses are just numbing themselves and they don't have to be so present in what they're doing. Exactly, yeah. That's, that's, pretty, that's, that's a pretty a good perspective, good perspective right? there. Mm -hmm. Think about it. Man. Write that down, guys. If you had a nurse that just- twice to see it. Yeah, if you had a nurse that just always see doing the same thing over and over again, nothing different. I think, I think I'm right. That's pretty good there. Anyways, another one is um, exhaustion. Sorry. So if you're feeling constantly exhausted, even off your off days, and I can say it myself that I've had that working three in a row, being tired the next day, and it's my day off, but yet I don't feel like doing as much. Yeah. You know, it's really exhausting when you start a new job or even when we started working here in California. Um, the what, first week when we're on the unit. Yeah, what, what threw me off was the orientation from, from 8.30 in the morning to 4. Yeah, so we work nights for those that don't know. Yeah, back in Chicago, we work nights 3.12s from 7 to 7. And then, like four days later, we switched our circadian rhythm to do 8.30 a.m. to 4 p.m. And then that's for five days. And the following week, we went back to night from 11 p.m. to 7 a.m. in our shifts. But that completely threw me off, and I was just exhausted the first week of orientation and the first week of actually working. Yeah, every single day I, w I would wake up and I would get six to seven hours of sleep. And just like you said, a couple hours later in the day, I'm like, wow, I could really use a nap. For no reason, I got enough sleep. Yeah. Just like a, a, I was mentally and physically drained. But I, feel like, yeah, but I feel like there's a lot of good, like your body is able to realize that this change can occur in the future. And I feel like um, you, you adapt better to it. You do something else like that again. That is true. And the next one would be um, checked out mentality. 
where you become disengaged and emotionally like I'm done. And you described that very well with those nurses that are just going through the motion. Yeah. Another nurse, uh, I'm trying to think, how else would you be checked out mentally? Checked out mentally where, um, let's say you're getting a lot of new orders, um, more than you used to or different kinds, and you're just kind of ordering them without actually thinking about why, this, why it's being ordered or the rationale behind your order. Like it's like, it doesn't seem like a big deal. But I feel like that's like a, kind of like a start where or, we're or just like, events. I don't, yeah, we're just like, I don't care what this order does. I'm just going to, or I don't know what this lab does. I'm just going to do it because I just want it done in the morning. But you don't know like what it's for. So you stop questioning things. Yeah. And that's where the beauty comes in nursing because you're the patient advocate and you're able to stand firm to, hey, I don't think this doctor's doing it right. I'm going to contest it. And yeah. sometimes you're just going through the motions because you're just like, well, whatever. Yeah. You're just that, whatever. That's a burnout. Yep. That's very, that's actually a really good point. Yeah, check that being checked out with a patient. That's that's a little unfair, but I mean, it's how burnout works. It affects everybody. And in the, even in the ICU, working, you know that third night, you feel I can say that you you sometimes have that mentality of just being checked out. Like, let let me just go in, get this over with, and just go home in a way. Sometimes you feel that way. Like when I'm working, yes, I'm you know very engaged and compassionate, thinking about things, but you do get burnt out, and that. That's where like that third night you get like the laughies. So for you guys that don't know, the laughies are like that 3 a.m., 4 a.m. feeling of just laughing for the dumbest things because you're just ready to head home. Yeah, I feel like, I don't know if that's really, I don't know if I would consider that burnout because I do feel that sometimes. It's like, it's, like a, it's like a heightened mood. It's yeah. like I have a little dopamine feeling. Oh, the laughies definitely, the laughies definitely. The laughies hit me at like, like five and some, you come in a patient's room and you doing some, some dumb or something stupid or he's positioned all weird and you get a good laugh out of it. You know, it sucks, you know, or they're in your strength and somehow they're like upside down, you know. And you, you have to laugh about it. Yeah. We, we consider that as dark humor, but I don't think it's dark humor. It's just you need an emotional outlet to like the negativity that sometimes yeah. we're seeing in the hospital setting. I completely agree because think about it. If you see a patient like, you know, like, like weird, like laying all weird on, on the bed, you can take it two ways. You can laugh at it and be like, I'd be happy, just be like whatever and deal with it. Or you could be angry and just rest of that shift goes. Yeah, goes because down. every single time the patient, and sometimes let's just say you, their example of the restraints and he's like this laying, well this guy's gonna do it probably 20 times that yeah. shift. And it's either you can laugh about it or you go in there negatively, oh my God, John Smith did this again. Like what the heck, John Smith, like get your act right. together. And it's, you're gonna be repeatedly exposed to negativity. And yeah. Yeah, so you're teaching yourself how to adapt to change negatively. Because every time your patient changes and you get mad about it or angry. Oh, there's a loud car. Yeah, it's a real loud car in the background. Wow. Whatever. Yeah, so <laughs> that's funny. What I was saying is you associate change with negativity. So every time you have a change in patient status, you're gonna take it negatively instead of, pos instead of like positively. So the first time you go in, the patient's position is all weird, you laugh it off, you know, no big deal, you do what you gotta do and walk out. And then 10 minutes later, um, his blood pressure drops. You take that change as good to like, oh, his, his blood pressure dropped. But since you're already, already in a good mood because you joked off what happened to him last time, now you're in a better spirit and you're, you actually want to do the next thing. What about an example of, and I've had this before, mm -hmm. where two nights in a row, you get the, let's just say, this two same, the two same patients, two, or same assignments, or just a really bad patient, and you're doing everything you can, and it goes south. For example, like I had this like really young guy, man. Um, he just came in for like some abdominal issue. Just got wheeled in, dude. Blue looking, got intubated. Like he 
came to us and we had like no notes, no report of what's going on. We're like, who the heck is this man? And you're just trying to save this man's life. And then like his wife comes in and they have kids at home, like two kids at home that are like seven and eight. And she tells you, please do whatever you can to save my husband. And like that, you take that to heart. You're like, wow, man, I better be doing everything. And like, see, I got chills because I take that to heart. And then I'm doing everything I can in that night to make this guy stay alive. Everything, orders, calling, stressed out. I'm calling a rapid because he's having a seizure or whatever. Blood pressure's dropping, I'm getting meds, I'm calling pharmacy, I'm doing everything. And then let's just say you're like six, eight hours in your shift and this guy codes. And that, let's just say that, that night, you're running a code for 30 minutes and then you just, you tell the wife like, listen, we're doing everything we can and there's nothing else we could do to your husband. I'm sorry. And she says, okay. And then it's like that. It's very discouraging, man. That's intense. That like moments that just like, it's like the silent night, man. It's like the reaper just came in and just took somebody. Yeah. And it's, and that, you know, then they're crying and all this is going on and it's emotionally exhausting. Oh yeah. Cause you literally did everything you can and it, did not work out and and doing it for two nights i get burnt out man like yeah. that that young guy because of his like you know kids at home and what his wife told me i was i was working on that man like he was a one-to-one -one for like the longest and like everything you did and your efforts go to shit you're just like wow yeah like damn it sucks coming home and taking a shower and you're just like what if i did this instead of this i try yeah i personally try not though. to say it i've learned to, which we'll talk about the tips but yeah you did everything and that's it. So let's talk about why nurses burn out. <laughs> These are one of the reasons. Yeah, I know. But the reasons why nurses burn out is basically long shifts, high stress environment, sickness, and death, coping with those things. And we kind of talked a lot about that, but let's go into like a little bit depth. So according to research, long, longer shifts have been um, correlated with increased med errors and also a lot of stress. We could argue that because in California here, we're doing um, eights and back in Chicago, we did 12 hour shifts. And personally, we could both agree that 12 hours are better. Uh, yeah, just because I like working three days, three times a week instead of four. Yeah. So we lock our four days off and I'd rather just be there and have the extra four hours and just kind of like be away from work more. So personally, I don't think the longer hours are creating stress in my life. I like prefer my days off. Yeah, very true. With the whole thing that you said about longer shifts, increased metaverse and um, like those kind of um, issues. I feel like when I'm comparing that to eight hour shift, like there is, like I feel rushed in an eight hour shift. Like I feel like I, I, I gotta do so much within those, wise. those eight hours, you know. But then with the 12 hour shift, like you kind of have a, a really busy start, a little bit of leeway in, in between and then a really busy morning yeah you know, so but the downfall of that is you're not really rushed as much as in an eight hour shift but you do get more tired working those 12 hours than you do the eight but there's always buts and this but is well the counter argument is we haven't take we don't take lunches in chicago i swear because of the unions we haven't we don't take a full 30 minute lunch away from the unit or the breaks but we can we just choose not to I think it has to be worked better. I don't, I don't know how the hospitals are, but we didn't utilize breaks properly. And being in California, like there's a relief nurse that comes in and they take you away from the unit for 30 minutes where you're just not thinking about what's going on because you know that nurse has it covered and the two 15 minute breaks. 
If you had something good here. If you had that, yeah, California has it very good. If we had that back home, do you think your 12-hour shift would be definitely less stressful? Oh, yeah. It would definitely be a lot better if I had a leave nurse come in and leave me for half an hour and just take over. That'd be so convenient, especially the way they do in our hospital, the leave nurse goes straight business. Like like where you leave off, she picks up no matter what. Hang it, whatever she has to hang, put in order, whatever she has to order, straight business. Definitely, I agree the way that this healthcare system nails it on a dot. Yeah, we've only been to one hospital though, but I think that's, this is gonna show a good example of how the rest of California, Northern California healthcare is. Yeah, and then on top of that, these 12 hour shifts, when, I'm, I'm losing my train of thought here. What, what I wanted to say about the 12 hours. That you like them, you like them a lot. I do like my 12 hour shifts. But I feel like if we had the half an hour, that's what I wanted to say. Like all these research studies are coming out and they're pointing towards longer shifts, but we're not really considering what's happening in those 12 hour shifts. How are we like, you know, like having that positive outlet of leaving the unit, taking a smoke break, whatever you guys do. Like that's not being talked about. So I definitely, I definitely feel like nurses have to kind of stand up more for themselves and do something and communicate this better or bring this to awareness that our breaks and our lunches have to be done. Yes. I, yeah. That's, I mean, that's huge, man. I, I've realized it now that I'm here. Yeah, it will make a, it'll make a 12-hour shift go by so much better. Yeah. But maybe we can talk to managers about that. We'll see. The number two burnout is... Um, putting your putting others first. So as nurses, we're this whole compassionate field, and we're notoriously known for being selfless, and that's great. But we're also neglecting ourselves. And yeah, like we said, one thing is those sh- you know not, going, not yeah. taking breaks. <laughs> no, like like we said before that um, with this whole putting others first, you you got to put them first. But you got to put them first in your shift. You can't put them first in your life. You can't be completely thinking about all the stuff you did for the patient after you get off shift. If you come home in a shower, you're thinking about how your patient was last night, and then you wake up again, you're, wait, you're thinking about it again, you eat food, you're thinking about it, it's, it's too much. It's gonna drive you crazy, man. Guilty. I, I can't, I mean, I'm pretty good at that. I don't do that very much. I just, I find out what happened with the patient the next time I get in there. I don't text anybody, hey, how's he doing? I, I'm just, whatever happened with him happened with him, I'll just take off when I get in. Well, you can't do that first, so it's a HIPAA violation, guys but mouth is sealed. Hey. I don't do that as often, but I do sometimes go home and I'm like, dang it, I forgot to tell this nurse about this thing or I forgot to tell the nurse where this was. Like, There's little things that you leave off in a report, but healthcare is a 24-hour job, so whatever we miss, we're humans, you just gotta fill up. Yeah, I mean, it's a very busy and high-stress environment. Like, life and death can occur on a daily basis. That and I feel like there's so much uh, changing, like especially like technology, for example. It's busy. It's more busy. Like when I talked to like the the veterans of nursing, it was a lot easier when there was no documentation, you know, electronic documentation. Back in the day, it was a little bit more simple. You chart by exception in a way. And now with like all this insurance stuff and like people are getting sued for who knows what. Documentation is so crazy. I think... A lot of patients don't realize how much documentations we do. Like, yeah, I hate it, man. I think like 25% of my care sometimes is with the patient, and I just gotta sit down by the computer and chart and then do everything else in between. Like it's, it takes up so much of our time. Yeah, documenting takes forever. You could literally pinpoint <laughs> the minute 
and the hour of when I changed the dressing, of when I did an assessment, when I did anything, when the blood pressure went off, when his pulse ox came off. You, you know, can do it to the minute, and it's a lead fell off, and it, it it distracts everything you do, and you got a little chart and everything. It's it's. I mean, it's and good in some this cases. This is our yeah. this is our expectation, and sometimes we have to realize the patient is priority. I'll do the charting later. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's good for like legal matters, but it's such a pain. Like we overchart about everything, but every time somebody sues, gets bad care, you know, hey, we gotta now add that to the system so make sure it doesn't happen. You know, people are thirsty out there. Yeah. So the high stressful environment comes from not taking breaks charting a lot and then let's just talk about short staffing because short staffing is another culprit there where it happens a lot i feel like yeah i'm everywhere i go um every manager i talk to they say staffing is always gonna be an issue everywhere you go why is that there's so many nurses that are needed to fill everything and to make everything go smoothly it's just too hard that includes like with the costs people's like daily life like if they can make us work 24 hours, or they can make us work 20 hours, 20 hour shift, they would. We're just in that demand. Like we're traveling over here just, just to work as nurses, where we had a nursing job back at home. That does make sense. That's how, that's how easy it is to, to find a nursing job somewhere. You just go and you just find it. Also you have to overcome with fear, because if you're fearful, you're not gonna make the leap, right? We made the leap. And then the next one is um, coping with like sickness and death. And I think it's like a mentality thing. You def you you have to learn how to cope with things, and create that outlet of just this is everything I could have done. Yeah, if you cope well at work, you're gonna cope well mostly outside of work. Because unless you're using bad coping techniques like drugs and stuff, don't do that. Yeah, because nursing is an emotional job in a way too, just as physical, and though and that emotional baggage is gonna affect your outside life outside of work if you're not coping with it properly. So. That'll lead us into like the tips for burnouts, which the, so the four tips for burning out prevention would be resilience, self-care, recognizing the triggers, and then creating like strong working relationships at work. The first one is resilience. And if we look at the definition of resilience, it means, term means the, capaci the capacity to recover quickly from difficulty and toughness. Yeah, we touched on that in the beginning of the podcast, but resilience is, is awesome. If you have very good resilience, you're gonna go watch your day with like minimal scar tissue yeah. related to, to nursing. Because if you could take something bad and turn it into a positive or see it as a benefit for you, that's gonna make life so much better. We just have to understand that we see what we see and we, we can't look for the answers of why things happen. We just have to let that go. That's not for us to understand. Do the, much, the, do the most we could do, be compassionate, be, you know, trustworthy do your best job and then go home and just pat yourself on the back that you did everything and that's all you could have done yeah like what's Matt's story with a patient that they literally did everything they could for that patient and the family and he still ended up you know coding and passing away like you can't take that as, as a loss that is no way a loss that that's always a win because you learned so much from that experience and you were able to bond and build a family yeah. Yeah, that's all positive you got from that but you can't see it as negative just because the patient died people are gonna die no matter what you do I'm not gonna lie I felt negatively in that moment but I learned how to just kind of overcome that you know yeah, it, it took me a couple hours so I'm not gonna lie that yeah. kind of really hit home you seem fairly, fairly resilient then I mean I'm sure you think about it once in a while which is completely normal you can think of your, your past action or past situations but if you're constantly dwelling on it and unable to forgive, forgive yourself for it nah keep doing that yeah so just be resilient to it. Yeah, I think 
sorry, it's going to go into number two. So I feel like what builds resilience is what we're going to talk about next is self-care. Um, knowing what makes you happy and what stresses you out is going to kind of guide how you move about your day. Because if you know, let's see, let's say, I don't know, I'm not really have an example for it right now. For self-care? Yeah. It just, whatever you do that makes you kind of happy and brings meaning to your life for me. That's my self-care, like... Oh, sorry. I do I things. That, yeah, I do. Go ahead. So, so, you know, if you have a bad day at work, instead of going home and being angry, you know, you go to the gym after a shift and just work out and work out that anger instead of bringing it home or bringing that stress home and bringing that thought of what you did yesterday and what made you so angry. And that's a big part of self-care. And I and I do those things for, for me. It, I like exercising for sure. And just for the physical aspects, you know, being in shape. I like juicing. I'm sure people know that, you know, like follow me kind of more intensely as friendship, as friends. I juice like five days a week. Like that's my thing. I wake up, I feel good. I don't care about the washing part. And some people are like, oh, it takes you forever to wash. I don't care. I like it. I do it. I feel great. Yeah, I like literally 80% of our fridge, if you look at it right now, is literally all foods for juicing. And some Swiss chard. Never had those, but I'm yeah. going to juice it. We did get some pie yesterday, though. Yeah. I had to tell them. Truth is, yeah, we had some pie. It was, it was delicious yeah. with some fair life milk. Yeah, that's all part of self-care, guys. You have a little pie once in a while. <laughs> I agree. I felt a lot better that day with that pie. Then meditation. I like to do that. I wish I could do it more here. I probably will do that tonight. Even reading a book. I think it's like an, it's not an escape. It's, it's soothing, yeah. especially reading what you like. Yeah. Um, we actually did a trail today. Um, or actually, it's going to be last week because this podcast comes out next week. Yeah. Um, but that's a good way to, you know, to promote self-care, especially if you live in this area of Oakland. You know, if, you're, if you're a nurse and you do 12 hours or you work five eights, you know, you got nice trails over here. Like, utilize them. If you, have, if, you have, if you live in Oakland or this San Francisco area or Northern California and you haven't walked a trail in, let's say, more than a year, you should definitely hit two. You should. I think it's an awesome part of self-care to learn how to just bond with nature, bond nature is still and just perfect in itself so the third one would be to recognize your triggers what's causing you to be burnt out um in your nursing job and one one example could be for example like your patient assignment if you ever consider that so like if you have like a neat you know an alcoholic patient etoh that's just giving you a hard time like you're constantly telling him to stay in bed and he's mentally exhausting all day it is your right to say to the, to the charge nurse for next shift, if you're scheduled, I don't want that patient back. Just say it because you deserve to take a break from him because they should understand that he's mentally exhausting to you. Yeah, if you recognize that over the whole shift, you hate walking into that, to that room and every time you stepped in that room, even if you're happy, your emotion turned negative. Like I'd say you were happy outside the room and as soon as you stepped in there, you're like, you were angry and upset that you had to walk in this room. Don't take that patient back. It's gonna make you upset each time you work with them, and it's gonna not be as much benefit for the patient as you to take a nurse that could care less. You know. Yeah, and that sometimes becomes difficult when you have like a bunch of like pregnant women on your unit, where they're not gonna want to take ETOH patient. Because what if like the you know the guy hits the freaking girl in the womb or you know womb, belly, whatever. Yeah. So it's uterus. <laughs> the uterus. We got yeah. We got pressure about her female anatomy. Yeah. And so there's aspects that this may not happen, but you should ask for it. Yeah. And the other one, fourth one, would be to like create strong relationships within like your coworkers. 
that could be anything like getting some breakfast beers and just in general just kind of like bonding on a unit or just having some similarities because i can 100 percent like um can i'm losing my train of thought here just build relationships you know converse yeah socialize you know uh, the more you socialize the better understanding you have for your coworkers and each other and a good example of this would be if you have like a like you know like four of you are friends or five maybe one of you likes putting in ivs but one of them one of you hates doing dressings so maybe hey i'll put in your iv in for you to do this dressing real quick all right cool i'll do it you know even though it's not your patient you just do it just because you're combining your total work and you're just doing what you got to do Th- that and like eventually create these bonds with your coworkers where you come into work and you kind of smile a little bit, you're kind of happy. You're like, oh yeah, I'm gonna be working with this person today. And you already start off your day and you start off your shift in a good way. You're just like, sometimes I'm just like, oh, it's gonna be a good night because of this person. Or you're just like, every single time I work with you, something bad goes. So you just kind of like mess around and it kind of just makes your shift go by easier sometimes. Yeah, you literally make work friends. Like you have friends in your social circle outside of work and then you develop work friends where you just do stuff at work. Yeah. You know, you don't really see each other outside of work too much because that's, that's just different, your private life. Well, you could, but, you, you could have those friends yeah. at work and they encourage, hospitals encourage you to have a best friend. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's pretty cool and stuff, you know. But a lot of times you're gonna have the most friends at work. And as long as you learn how to socialize and be friends and bond with each other and just get stuff done, that's gonna be so much better. And it's pretty fun too. Yeah, so those are the four tips, guys. Um, burnout is something we should all consider as a problem in healthcare, especially for nurses. And as nurses, we should learn how to properly see the triggers that might be affecting it to cope with it. And if your coworker is feeling, you know, like numb, fatigued all the time and just like a lack of them as a personality at work say something because that person is burnt out and say something to higher management so something gets done for you guys because you guys deserve it because you we as nurses do so much so it's completely okay to take a few pto days don't take them every week and every time and don't use them up as soon as you get them just take a few days off if you have to it's really not that big not that big of a deal make a staycation travel an hour away just do something for yourself Exactly. And whoever just listened, give us a rating, give us a thumbs up, give us a like and subscribe, guys. See you guys next week. Have a good one, Oakland. Later. Keep it smooth.